Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Hey everybody, welcome to Industry Seating. I am your host, Jason Thomas. It is November 22nd. I am in Gainesville, Florida, and we just wrapped up our Waldo Motorsports Fly Racing Ride Day. Pretty good weekend. Uh, We've been out there all weekend. Started on Friday, Saturday, and then uh, wrapped up with a dealer-oriented day today. Pretty good overall. Uh, Had a lot of dealers come out today, so very thankful for that. And um, fought the weather a little bit, which is kind of weird having rain like that in November, you know, daily rain is more of a summer thing, but thankfully the track really held up throughout it. And, uh, yeah, pretty good time. That's the second year in a row we've done that event and I'm sure we'll be back next year. So if you're wanting to, uh, to get some laps in before mini Olympics or just escape some of the cold from up North and get a fun weekend of riding, please, uh, please keep it on your calendar for 2021. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli tires, blends all oils, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, Plum Creek Funding, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, and Risk Racing. Thank you to all of them. So this week, we're just going to go through some listener questions. Not a lot happening in uh, Motoland. Uh, obviously, some big news with Blake Baggett and his departure from Rocky Mountain KTM. I'm not going to get into that too much. For one, I kind of can't have too many entanglements into that deal. And second, I just don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I know a little bit, and it just seemed like it was time to go separate ways. I think it's going to be ongoing for a while as they sort out how to both exit from that deal. But it's a bummer. Um, I like Blake. I like his dad. And uh, certainly enjoyed having them in fly racing. And, And who knows, maybe he still will be in fly racing if he ends up racing in 2021. But would also like to welcome Joey Savacci to the team and to Fly Racing. So uh, always exciting to have new athletes to work with. And um, hopefully Joey can, you know, repeat that 2019 success that he had on the new Rocky Mountain KTM for 2021. But to get into some of the questions, let's just jump right into it. I only have a couple for this week. It's going to be short and sweet, but I didn't do a show last week, so... Want to have some continuity with industry seating and make sure that, uh, yeah, we're giving, giving sponsors their attention and, and get you guys more and more familiar with the sponsors that support this podcast as well as many other aspects of the sport. So Glenn Wiles emails asking about uh, so a few different ways to approach this question, but it, it concerns auto racing, you know, Formula One, Formula E that goes on in Europe. Uh, and He's mentioning, you know, with JGR going away, it's it's very apparent that it's difficult to find outside sponsorship for motocross teams in America. And that's that's nothing new. But obviously with COVID-19, 
it really hurt corporate America and, and caused many of them to pull back severely on their, let's say, disposable spends, right? Spending on motocross, if you are, let's say, Geico, Geico right? We saw that. Um, if you're any non-endemic company, looking at spending money in moto is probably something they want to do, but they don't have to do. And a lot of the want to do stuff got clipped for 2020. So uh, let's see what he's asking specifically here. Do we think we could bring in uh, producers of batteries, charging stations, sensors, software, and the like stuff that really appeals to younger generation, a lot of the tech stuff, and a lot of stuff that honestly I've been investing in, in my own uh, fledgling investing career is kind of the next generation energy technology stuff. He's asking, do I think there would be interest from companies like Tesla, Rivian, Nikola, Faraday, and I'll add in some others, uh, Fisker, Hillion, a lot of the, the EV sector, because that is where, you know, e-bikes could go, right? That's where we could end up with, uh, electric motorcycles. Now I haven't really thought too much about that. Uh, he's also asking, would, uh, another bicycle company get involved and build an e-motocross bike, something like what, you know, the Taser has or any of the main bicycle companies. Now, I don't think that the bicycle companies are going to do it because if you look at what Cannondale, the troubles they ran into, it almost bankrupt them. I think that was a warning shot for a lot of companies like, hey, we don't we don't want to go down that road. That was a very bad idea and a very a very big financial loss. So I think they'll stay away. But when you start talking about companies like Tesla, their market cap is so large. Building a motocross bike is a drop in the bucket for them. Go look at how much money their stock has made them just in 2020 alone. I don't think they're going to do it. But if you look at any of their concept vehicles, they have an electric quad as one of their concepts. So maybe they're going to go down that path. And I think Elon is just crazy enough to do it. Now, to do it and do it correctly, you basically have to tool up and develop an entire team for that because motocross bikes are really complex and there's so many, uh, you know, I want to say moving parts, but that's not really what I mean. Um, but they are very, very difficult to make work well. And, you know, internal combustion motorcycles that we've ridden forever are so advanced and they have just decades of technological advancement in them for a company like Tesla to think that they could just jump in and develop something that's competitive with what Honda and KTM and Kawasaki and Yamaha and all these brands have spent, you know, like I said, decades developing, that would be, I, I think that would be a little bit brazen and, and probably foolish to think they could do that. But again, look at what they're doing in the car industry. They've completely disrupted the car industry. And that's truly what Tesla is. They are disruptors. So maybe, Maybe it would be no different. Maybe they feel like they could just get in there and change the game immediately. So, so interesting question. While, or excuse me, Glenn, I don't know uh, that that's something even on their radar. You know, I think they are hell bent on creating a a sedan, like a midsize sedan that is affordable. I think that's number one priority for them because they have hundreds of billions of dollars invested in their company to accomplish that. But maybe down the road, right? They, they get that market under control and then they start expanding. You never know. I, I, could, I could see it. But again, my main question, I think 
would be to answer your question with a question would be, do they even perceive the off-road motorcycle market as big enough to even matter? You know, and, and that's something that I, I bet is at the heart of it is they would look at it and go, could we even sell enough of these to even be worth our time? Because look how much money they're making in the car space and they're, and they have what, two or three models out, you know, like they're just getting started of what the capabilities are for the automobile side. You know, they haven't even released their truck yet. And then you think of all the different models and sizes of trucks that they could come out with and produce. So I, I think that would, if possible, I think Tesla would be the most likely to, to go down that path. But I, I think even then it's a very, it's a long shot just because of the, the small scale of the market and what it would cost for them to do it versus what the reward is. And that's always going to be what the accounting side is going to ask is, okay, if we invest however much it costs, hundreds of millions, you know, to do this, what's the return? If we do it and do it right, you know, what are we looking at making if we do it and, and we knock it out of the park, how much money is there to be made? And I think if they did their due diligence and looked at the market, they'd probably be like, that's not worth it. You know, there's, there aren't enough people that are interested in buying these, especially at probably what they would cost. What I'm going to assume, you know, $15,000 is, is seems like what the electric bike going rate was, uh, back when, um, who was doing that? I can't even remember the name of the company now, the company that just, uh, went under, how do I not know that? Anyway, um, that seemed like what the price was, was in that $15,000 range. So it's an interesting question, though. I don't know what um, what they end up doing. You know, Glenn goes on to mention that they built a UTV. U, uh, Nikola did, built a UTV. Um, so, yeah, it, there's always a possibility. I just think that's a really long ways off because they have so many more pressing projects in front of them. Before we, you know, concepts are one thing, but bringing those things to market is a completely different topic altogether. Good question, though. Next question is, if I can get to it, from Justin, and he's kind of in the same space here with with sponsors, but this is concerning, uh, you know, I guess to bring it full circle, why companies aren't involved. To me, it's always been a problem of getting enough publicity, and it's really hard to see sponsor logos on a motocross bike. You know, you always want to compare it to NASCAR, and if you think about NASCAR, they have that giant hood that is driving around a racetrack for three and a half hours. And it's almost impossible to not see what that car is sponsored by or who that car is sponsored by. It's not really the same for moto. You know, you have these shrouds that are really the biggest indicator of the sponsorship, but even then it's, it's really hard to see unless you get that rider on the podium or they get a close up or some sort of mention. It's a, it's a very challenging dynamic compared to NASCAR where they just have nonstop action for so very long and even the backmarkers get TV time and, you know, if they're going to lap down or there's a caution, there's just so many more opportunities for, for NASCAR to get their sponsors and their, you know, corporate level partnerships uh, on TV, which is what it's all about in the end. Now, Justin does offer a suggestion. He says that I think an easy way to solve this would be to have a little logo next to each rider on the, on the scoring box on the top left of the screen with their main sponsorship. Now, I think this is actually a pretty good idea, and we've seen this in the past, uh, whether it was outdoors, uh, MXGP does it with the tire manufacturer that they are sponsored by, which I, I've always found interesting. I don't really know why they do that specifically, but that would be a cool way. Like on the results, like 
mid-race if you had the logo next to their name, like the main, whoever you determined to be your main sponsor and obviously the rider or the team would have the final say with NBC of, okay, this is the logo. This is what I want next to the name. I actually kind of like it. Now, what I don't know is if NBC has any restrictions with that, where NBC would basically be like, no, we're not putting the logo of a company that we don't have an affiliation with, right? They're not writing NBC a check. I can't answer that, whether that would be a factor or not. I hope it would not be, because that would really be shooting ourselves in the foot on a on a big picture level with the sport. But I kind of like it. You know, as that, that ticker is floating across the top with the results, having the your main sponsor logo, and maybe you could switch it. Maybe you could switch it each week. You know, if you have several large partners, you could switch that logo per race. That, that's a really good idea. Um, and I think we just need to be more progressive with stuff like, like that outside of not progressive in general. Let's, let's pump the brakes on progressive, the word progressive, but just let's, let's try to be more innovative with how we are giving sponsors value because I think that's what it all comes down to is, you know, prospective sponsors are always looking for value. You know, how are you going to ex- give my company more exposure? I only have so many dollars to spend and I need to, you know, get the most bang for my buck with those dollars. So how are you going to help me do that? So that would be a pretty cool way if NBC would get on board with that. So I actually kind of like your idea, Justin. I don't think that I'm going to be the one that moves the needle to get this done, but Hey, you never know. The right person hears this and runs with it. Uh, it certainly could work. So great question from Justin there. Um, I actually kind of like it. Now, as for the sponsors this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about a few products that Risk Racing has to offer. Um, they've been a fairly new partner, but I really appreciate them being on board. They have an easy utility jug. comes in a three or five gallon option. And obviously, whether you ride a dirt bike, UTV, ATV, whatever you're doing, you need, and we can't call them what most people call them. We have to call them utility jugs. That's the whole deal, right? We all know the word I want to use here instead of utility jug. It's the word you've used your whole life for these containers that hold the liquid that you would put in your motorcycle or UTV or ATV, but we can't because California is a joke. So we have to say utility jug. And it's the same thing, uh, with, you know, uh, companies that I work with specifically at Western power sports, we have to do the same thing. And it's, it's ridiculous. I hate it. Uh, they also have the lock and load pro. It's a transport system that completely takes away any need for tie downs or wheel chocks, simply mount in your trailer van or truck, and you can walk your bike down in less than a minute. Jaws compressed down onto the foot pegs, holding and distributing the weight of the bike, relieving the pressure that is usually on your front forks. So if you are getting your suspension done by 612 suspension, which I highly recommend. You don't have to uh, take away all the work that Ronnie Monk is doing over there by tying your bike down. And that's that's one thing that's absolutely true. You, if you're leaving your bike tied down all week or you're driving across the country with the bike tied down, it does take a toll on your suspension. All that pressure that is building on your front forks, that's not good for them. You know, those springs have um, a life cycle of where they're going to work at their peak. And putting that pressure on them uh, is not not great for that. So grab that Lock and Load Pro and take all that pressure off. Also, the Ripper, their newest product is an automated roll-off system. Clip the Ripper onto your existing goggle strap, which I would recommend fly racing goggles. Attach the hook to the roll-off pull cord and mount the button on your handlebars. 
When you press the button that's on your handlebars, the ripper clears your vision using roll-offs in less than a second. Which is pretty cool, right? Instead of having to take your hand off the bars, go up, find your rip cord on your roll-offs, pull the roll-offs string and pull across, and then go back to the handlebars, you just leave your hand on the bar, use your thumb, press the button, and the ripper does the rest. So pretty cool. You can go to riskracing.com to check out more. Uh, I speak with Trevor over there quite a bit, and a great company, highly recommend. So I definitely want to thank them for coming on board. Again, short and sweet this week. We're going to be racing again here real soon, I promise, but I did not want to leave all of you hanging. But again, thanks to Pirelli Blenzall, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, Plum Creek Funding. Go get your mortgage refinanced. That's what you need to do. I don't care if you want to want to buy anything. If you own something, you need to be refinancing. People are saving tens of thousands of dollars daily by doing that. If you're getting your bike redone or refurbished anyway, check out Premier Vapor Blasting, 612 suspension for your suspension needs, Grandstone Boots. If you get if you get to go back into the office, you want to be looking super sweet, get some Grandstone Boots. Pro Glow Wash. I was at Waldo all weekend, and we had some rain. Guys were getting their bikes super dirty, and uh, Progo Wash would have come in very, very handy. And what I like to say about Progo Wash is you don't need to – don't go get Simple Green. Don't go get these washes that aren't really specifically built for, for motorcycles and power sports. You want something that's formulated for power sports. That's what Progo Wash is. It's built and formulated to be used on the materials – for dirt bikes, right? The engine parts and the plastics and all those things to, to give them that shine that you want. That's where the pro glow wash comes in. Last but not least risk racing, which we just talked about. So thank you everybody for listening this week. I know it's a little bit short, but again, sometimes it's going to be that way with no racing, uh, schedules out. We just added another indie round this week. So I'm getting more excited. We're less than two months away and you know, that hype is going to be building as we get closer and closer if there is any breaking news or anything, I'll certainly will jump in with, with more of that. But if you want to give me more uh, listener questions, I would really appreciate that. Uh, anything that's burning, pressing on your mind, stuff for 2021, how the racing is going to work for 2021. I, I've definitely been hearing more and more about that, um, so we can cover that. But again, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. See you.